You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Rowe's Kyle Jacobson. We are live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. If you need to gear up for a trip to Gainesville, Florida, you can do so at Cardinals, mycardinalsports.com. We're live in person right outside the loop on Slide Road. Cardinal Sports Center. You can also potentially get some Big 12-inspired merch for the Gambling Gauchos coming soon. We'll see. In the works. Maybe also uh, a couple of polos and a quarter zip. Huh? I know you're a big quarter zip guy. Zip me up. Zip me up. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the Gauchos merch. But uh, maybe coming this fall, more Gauchos merch, Big 12-inspired and otherwise. Uh, we are also part of the Republic of Football podcast feed there with Dave Campbells. You can find all of our podcasts there or right here on YouTube. You can also watch on Twitter. We're live streaming on Facebook as well. If you're on one of those other services besides YouTube, go over to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash gambling gauchos at gambling gauchos and comment there. We'll be there. Daniel's already down for a quarter zip. We'll mark you down, Daniel. Coming this fall. All right, Gainesville Gaucho. Kyle, how you doing, man? I'm good. I saw we were playing Florida in the postseason, and it's gone well in the past. You have not lost to Florida. Uh, I should rephrase this. You've beaten Florida in every postseason that you've faced off against them in recent memory. Yeah, they've Well, they've also beaten you in a couple, but yes. That's why I rephrased it. Yeah, you have beaten them. <laughs> Uh, they were your first win ever in Omaha, and they lost to allow you to host the Super to get there in 14. That's right. Shout out College of Charleston. College of Charleston. So lots of history between you and Florida in the postseason, and mm-hmm. we'll see if it's uh, good history this week. Yeah, like you alluded to, you beat them game one in Omaha in 18? 18 or 19? 18. Uh, 18. And then they they won the 0-1 game. You lost the 1-0 game, and then they knocked you out. So that kind of sucked. But you did beat them. You, all, you just also lost to them. And then in basketball, you beat them at the American Airlines Center in the round of 32 in 2018. So you, you had a little stretch there from 2016 through 2018 where three, three postseasons, you beat Florida. Like you said, you also lost to them. So anyway, that that has no bearing on on this year. They have a really good team. We'll get into all that, but at least maybe a little bit of a familiar opponent. The other kind of tidbit is that you've only played one regional in the Tadlock era outside of, or only won one regional outside of the Lubbock uh, regional, and that was in Coral Gables. And so I don't know. Maybe there's something in the swamp water down in Florida that allows you to play well on the road. It didn't work in Statesboro, Georgia last year, but maybe we've got something for them. Who knows? Somebody just commented, all hat, no cattle. I'm assuming that's about Florida and not Kyle Jacobson because he's got, uh, well, he's got goats. He's a man of the farm. Yeah. Hey, I want to give a shout out. I'm sipping on a sunny rumby right now. This was concocted by the world's foremost cocktail expert, Brian Don Carlos, and the recipe is available on stakingtheplains.com. You'll have to search for it. I think he made this back in 2019 or so, 2020 maybe. But it's kind of a, a spin on the Chilton, which is, of course, a great beverage native to the high plains of Texas. But if you want a sunny rumby, it's it's pretty dang good. That's what I'm having this evening. All right, let's go back to the Big 12 tournament just real quickly. Um, real quick. Quickly. One of the two. Uh, oh, yeah. Finish it. Nice. Um, you played well a couple of games. And then... You played well a game and a half uh, later, but you did not play well in one game at all 
and a brutal finish against Oklahoma State, losing two in a row. Uh, up 5-0, Kyle. I'll be honest, I was planning to drive to Arlington. I was checking out tickets. I was going to be down there for the, the TCU game. Yeah, it just did not work out. <laughs> it did not work out. Um, TCU looked really good this week. They're hot. Oklahoma State finished well. They just lost to, a, I think, a, a hotter team in TCU. And TCU's been hot for about a month and a half now. Well, and TCU earned themselves the right of having more pitching depth in that championship game by going 3-0 and on their side. It took Oklahoma State four games to get out of their side of the bracket. And so I, I think both teams kind of felt like that. After Oklahoma State took game one of the doubleheader on Saturday, I think we were all thinking that in the back of our minds. Like, okay, even if Kyle Robinson gives you a great performance here, which he did, and I want to talk about that. It's like, who are we throwing out there in game five if we if we get to tomorrow? And so that, that's a whole other conversation on pitching strategy and everything. But, you know, TCU earned that right by by winning their three games. Now they did have – an easy path. You know, they were, they were paired with Texas. That was the other good team on their side of the bracket and they didn't have to play them. It's not their fault, but uh, I would have loved Kansas state, Kansas, Kansas state, rather than West Virginia, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state, which was your path. And then yeah, to choke away a five Oh lead that sucked, especially since you had free and Beckel available, you're, you're used to those guys taking care of business, especially, you know, with a, a decent cushion like that. But, you know, besides that one inning, you know, the bats weren't awake very often at all on Saturday. And so uh, I, th I think there's some blame to go around there. But, um, yeah, I was hoping you were finally competitive there in the Big 12 tournament. I was hoping to get to that championship game just to see what would happen. Yeah, and you, hadn't, you haven't been to the championship game since year one or something like that. It's been a long, long time. Tim Tadlock certainly has not been there. Yeah, and I think he went in 97 and 98 and not since. So the first couple of years. Yeah. Um, I will say this on the the blame to go around. I thought Kyle Free entered a, an inning early. I did not know why you pulled Kyle Robinson so soon. Now, he has not pitched. He has not started a game in quite a while. I think 75 is his limit, was his limit. I don't know that it'll be his limit at a regional. Tim Tadlock did mention uh, that he could go up to game one or game two, probably game two. You'll probably go Molina versus UConn. And then if Florida's there, Kyle Robinson, Florida, uh, and then Zane Petty in game three, I, I would believe that is your lineup here coming forward uh, in the pitching staff rotation. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts on the, on the big 12 tournament? I, a week ago, round and round about the bullpen in that last game, but do we need to? I, I said everything I needed to say in the Discord, and so now if I speak, I'm in big trouble, right? So I, I could rehash it and tell everybody how correct I was, but nobody how, wants to hear that. How do people listen to our uh, or read our game day thoughts there in the, the Gauchos Discord, Kyle? Patreon.com slash Gambling Gauchos gets you access to – our latest series of interviews with uh, Lubbock media legends, Mark Finkner, David Collier, Casey Cowan, and then going back, we've interviewed former players, former coaches, Texas Tech regions and donors, a lot of cool stuff in there. Also get you access to the Discord where I can tell you going into the seventh inning that we shouldn't have pulled Kyle Robinson and we shouldn't bring in Ryan Free and we shouldn't use Brandon Beckel. And then we do the opposite of all three of those things and lose the game. Now, here's where I'm going to stick up for myself a little bit, Rob, and then we can move on and I'll quit beating this dead horse. I was accused of having a take so stupid while putting all that out there that I didn't even understand the rules of the tournament format. And so then when I circled back to say, actually, look how correct I was, everyone goes, oh, okay, man, you made your point, quit beating a dead horse. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stick up for myself just a little bit here since people were like, hey, do you even know what planet we're on? Do you know how the Big 12 tournament works? Yeah. And so I was right – and we can move on. And I'm, I'm going to give you how I would pitch this weekend when we get into the regional preview. It's going to be very different than how we're actually going to pitch the regional. And then we'll be able to circle back to see if Kyle was right again or not. And then just once. We'll circle back once, and then I'll leave it alone. We're not going to beat the horse to death. Are you Rob Fiscating? I don't think I am. We can pull the receipts, can't we? Hey, I don't think I am either most times. 
I think my exact words when I saw Ryan Free take the mound was, what the F are we doing? Something like that, yeah. And people were like, what do you mean? What are you I was like, why are we using this guy? I was open to using him in that moment when it was happening, but I did say Kyle Robinson should have gotten at least one more inning. I, I did not understand that. But again, we're beating a dead horse. Uh, Hudson White looked really good <clears throat> this weekend. He did. The hottest hitter in baseball. And I do want to mention, uh, moving forward into that championship game, did you see uh, the pitcher who got his first pitching opportunity this year come in for Oklahoma State and give up a bomb (laughs) to Braden Taylor? They brought brought in a guy who hadn't pitched all year, and he gave up a bomb. Yeah, that's tough. Awesome. Yeah, that's really tough when – so it was Oklahoma State. Were they on game six of the tournament? Yeah, and, and, and TCU on game four. Yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> All right, let's move into the regionals. The regional format is similar to what you have to do to get to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, that's why they play it that way. Uh, there's four teams. You got to get through the four teams. You have to beat the team twice if they went out, which is what Texas Tech was uh, blessed with doing. Could not finish it out against Oklahoma State. Moving forward, do you want to talk about Gainesville first, or do you want to talk about some of the other Big 12 snubs before we get to the teams that actually made it? Let's go around the Big 12. Do we have any regional odds posted anywhere that we can take a peek at? I have seen some power rankings, and I have seen some odds. While you go through the Big 12, let me look at uh, those odds real quick. I've seen – I've seen futures odds to win the whole thing, but I, usually there's a regional where you can pick the winner of each regional at, at certain odds. Um, while you're looking for that, I, I think the main discussion on the bubble was – so going in, I think everybody felt pretty confident Texas Tech was in. I would have put it at like 95% chance that they were going to make it. Uh, TCU, obviously the auto bid, and then Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas, very solidly in. The two that we were not sure about, Kansas State and Oklahoma – I think how that went, Oklahoma getting a bid as one of the last four in, Kansas State missing out as one of the first four out, speaks to the issue with RPI. Because you look at RPI and Oklahoma's is 15 points better or whatever, and so it makes sense. But if you dig beneath the surface at all beyond that, I don't see how Oklahoma has a case over Kansas State. So Kansas State finishes with the better Big 12 record. Kansas State does better in the Big 12 tournament. So if they were about even going into this past weekend, Kansas State did better in Arlington. Um, Head-to-head, Kansas State 3-0 against Oklahoma. I I think they're right to be a little bit upset. And the counterpoint is don't lose to all these really crappy teams and you have a bad strength of schedule. The counter-counterpoint is all bubble teams probably have bad losses. That's part of why they're on the bubble. So without pulling Oklahoma's schedule, I'm sure there's two or three really ugly losses on there. And I thought Kansas State's manager made a good point that folks in Lubbock, it ought to resonate with them. He said, you know, you can point to strength of schedule all you want, but we're in the middle of Kansas, and it's hard to find Division One opponents within our vicinity. Like, yeah, theoretically, if we wanted to schedule SEC and ACC teams, that's great, but they're not – Florida, Florida State aren't coming to Manhattan, Kansas on a Tuesday to play at midweek. And so you scrape together what you can. That's part of why Texas Tech plays New Mexico and Abilene Christian and so on. And so he's like, hey, you know, these are the limitations of college baseball. These programs don't have a bunch of money to travel halfway across the country. And so I sympathize with that. And the part of their schedule that was the same as Oklahoma's was the 24-game Big 12 schedule plus the Big 12 tournament. And they did better than Oklahoma in the regular season and the postseason tournament. And so I I think they have a legitimate gripe. I think a lot of people agree that RPI needs fixing, and this is kind of the latest example of that. Yeah, I I kind of railed on the SEC this morning on the Rob Bro Show when it comes to the RPI. Um, Just like the Big 12 in net rankings, you get to play a bunch of quad one teams because they're all high in the, the net, and that's why the Big 12 is looked at as the best conference. Well, in the RPI, it's you have a bunch of high RPI teams and then all those RPI teams play each other. You get eight regional hosts because you're playing like Kentucky. Well, Kentucky has a schedule full of high RPI teams. It's much easier for Kentucky 
to be a regional host at 36 and whatever because they get to play Florida and Vanderbilt and Arkansas on their schedule. Uh, I hope, uh, amongst all hopes, that the Big 12 schedule expands, so you have to do less of that. Um, If you get more conference opponents, you'll have to schedule less non-conference opponents. That's how math works. So if you could add two Big 12 schedule games, or maybe if you don't get another Big 12 series, you add a Big 12 showcase at the beginning of the year and just play some round robin, and that's your non-con. Yeah, I, I can't remember where I saw this on Twitter or who I could attribute this quote to, but they said something to the effect of RPI is a system that rewards you for losing to good teams. And that's basically what you just said. You you play in the SEC, you go 500 or so, your RPI is going to be stellar because you're not playing any bad teams RPI-wise. And so you win a few of those, you lose a few of those, the RPI goes up and up and up. And I don't know how I feel about – like I kind of didn't like playing Oklahoma in Amarillo in that whatever they called it, the Red Dirt Series. Right. But if you're Kansas State and and you are struggling with that, like I know you can schedule Wichita State. Maybe they can schedule Creighton. Um, besides that, like most folks nearby are going to be in the conference. So like if you're not playing a midweek non-con game against Oklahoma State or maybe OU once they go to the SEC, I don't really know what other – options they have um and so uh, maybe you do need to look at scheduling big 12 teams but as non-conference games to raise your floor a little bit in terms of the strength of schedule yeah and we'll see if they do that Uh, i mean especially for kansas state and texas tech those kind of regional outposts where you are having to schedule new mexico or North Dakota State or these teams that will come to you. Um, I will say, though, you get a free series against Houston, that's better for you, even if it's yeah. you. I will, I will say, though, it, it should be easier at Texas Tech because you can schedule Dallas Baptist. You can schedule Texas State, UTSA. These are good RPI teams. You never know year to year, but generally speaking, Texas State and Dallas Baptist especially are solid programs that at the very least shouldn't be a drag on your RPI if not – um, elevating your RPI. Kansas State, I, I think they're, without other in-state programs like that, I, they're kind of even more so on an island than you are, which is strange because Lubbock is usually kind of the the pinnacle of that that sort of thing. But anyway, I, uh, I'm i not just saying that as a slightly biased person who likes Kansas State much more than I like Oklahoma. I get the gripe. I also get why the committee didn't select them. Like RPI is king. Just like net is king, quad one is king in basketball, you kind of see the writing on the wall ahead of time. And we can – I think that's the heart of the frustration is once you start looking into it, you go, yeah, Kansas State is better, but this magic number that nobody really knows what all goes into it spits out that OU is 15 spots higher, and so they get the nod. Um, I, I would like to see college baseball move to something more like net that more accurately reflects some of these things than RPI. All right, I've got uh, game one odds and regional odds so we can get into the tournament. Let's do it. All right, let's just go region by region because we can, and we can get through them quickly if there's no Big 12 team. Uh, Starting the Knoxville Regional, Tennessee is at minus 525. Georgia Tech, Campbell, and Alabama. Is this this year's? You know say, this is last year's. Yeah, Campbell was in the same regional as Tennessee last year. That gum it. Well, uh, oh, we can't do that yet. Hey, one more thing before we move on to this. According to I think D1 Baseball's RPI, which may be very slightly from Warren Nolan, all of the top 16 RPI teams hosted except for one. It was Campbell. And the team that hosted in their place that was outside the top 16 in RPI was Auburn, whose athletic director was chair of the committee. Does that pass the smell test to you? No, but Stillwater was Oklahoma state 17. So there was two in Warren Nolan, right? No, I think, I think there were 17 in D one baseball too, but that that was according to Ben Upton. He's a plugged in college baseball guy. I don't know. Maybe that uh, was outdated or something, but. I think that's another legitimate gripe. Like if RPI is king to the extent that one through 16, except for the chair of the committee's school where he serves as AD or hosting that, that stinks. 
even if it was one through 17 is in and then two teams are not and it's down to 19 i think that auburn was that they get to host that that is very fishy yeah. and he's the the chair yeah he's not just a guy in the room he's the guy in the room yeah it's like if if kirby was there and we'd have been a, a high two seed right well and somebody tried to say that that Texas Tech only got in because their AD was on the committee. I was like, no, we were in every single projection. Our RPI is top 40-ish. Our RPI plus is top 35. We're not we're not a two seed, but we're we're pretty comfortably in. It's a 64-team tournament. There was yeah. like five or six bid stealers, and you're close to 40. That's right. math. <laughs> I mean, it's not crazy. All right. Apparently, Action does not have those odds out yet for the regionals. Let's uh, do it. I, I assume we'll do another episode before the regional, yeah. and so maybe we can make those picks on Wednesday or Thursday. So the Winston-Salem Regional Wake Forest, that's Wake Forest versus George Mason in the first appearance. Northeastern and Maryland are the 3-2 there. That pairs up with Alabama as a 16. They're playing Nichols, Troy, and Boston College are the 3-2 there. Uh, and then you get to Gainesville. The, the two seed, Florida, will play Florida A&M and then Connecticut and Texas Tech are the 3-2 in this one. Um, this is a really, really tough regional for Texas Tech. It was, per metrics, uh, from Stats of War, the weakest regional for a regional host. Now, that's because Florida mashes at home, have mashed at home, and the RPI of Texas Tech, UConn, and... Florida A&M especially really brings down that. Um, UConn is plus 115 in game one against Texas Tech. Texas Tech minus 145 as a three seed. You want to – are we diving into the Gainesville Regional now? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I'm going to start by saying this. I am officially putting UConn on fraud alert. Fraud alert. I am not buying stock in UConn baseball. So I know there's there's analytics out there, blah, blah, blah. You know, the nerds have taken over baseball. I crunched some numbers myself. I've got them right here, okay? UConn is on fraud alert. And we can get into why. Just let me know when, but I'm, I'm not worried about UConn. Let's do, let's do fraud alert on Wednesday. Do we have, uh, when we get to the regional odds, do we have a Big 12 tour on Wednesday? Um. We were supposed to, but I'm going to propose this, and you and I are doing programming talk live and on the air. Let's just skip OU because we're not playing them and they're leaving the conference. Who cares? And we'll slot in. Uh, we'll move everybody back a week. Okay. So we were going to. We'll just move everybody back a week. All right. Let's get everybody's favorite college baseball analyst on uh, Wednesday if we can. Let's do that. And since we're going to do that and get most of his thoughts, I'm like, can I – can I preview fraud alert? Can we Yeah, do a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. So what he's going to tell us when we bring him on, Tech Hoops guy, who I, we don't have him booked, but I think we're tentatively locked in there. He's going to talk about how the betting value is very much impacted by starting pitching, which is kind of like a no-duh statement, but that's sort of the main – like the lineups are going to be the same all regional. It's a matter of are you pitching good on good? Is one team down to their midweek guy and the other one's throwing their ace? You know, what do we have? So I looked at just some top-line numbers for both Florida and UConn. I didn't look at Florida A&M because they're, you don't play them game one. They're, they were the auto bid. They didn't earn it um, as an at-large. So Florida has uh, basically Babe Ruth is their best starter. 15 starts, Jack Caglianone. Yeah, he's a stud. And apparently his ops is like 1,100. So he's a two-way player, and he's a, he's really freaking good at the plate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's their ace, but he has their lowest ERA of guys that have made a bunch of starts. And so he's got 15 starts on the year, 63 innings pitched. So maybe they use him a little bit lightly. That's only four innings per start, um, which if he is a two-way player, that kind of makes sense. 4.1 ERA, opponent batting average 184. That's tough. And then I guess they pull him off the mound, and then he is probably their best bat in the lineup as well. So this kid's really good. Yeah. Jack Caglianone, remember that name. 
Their next guy, also 15 starts, 84 innings pitched. That's the most on the team. So this is their workforce. Brandon Sprout, I think is how this is pronounced, S-P-R-O-A-T. 15 starts, 84 innings pitched, 4.7 ERA. Not bad, not stellar. Opponent batting average, 206. That's pretty good. Their third guy that I guess probably rounds out their weekend rotation, Hurston Waldrop. And if that doesn't sound like the name of an SEC pitcher, I don't know what does. Young Somebody stuck on a three-hour tour. <laughs> Young Hurston Waldrop, 15 starts, 78 and a third innings pitched, 4.83 ERA. So he's he's touchable. His dad. Batting, do what? His dad's a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, opponent batting average, 231. So I would imagine – Games one through three for Florida, whether Texas Tech is playing them or not, those are probably going to be their first three out of the gates. They've got other guys that, you know, probably more of their midweek rotation. So they've got I, – I would classify this as very solid pitching depth. There's not a huge drop-off between guys one and three, but they don't have like a Brady Singer in 2018 who was widely regarded as the best pitcher in the country. They don't have that guy this year. Yeah. Now their, their lineup, I'm counting – these are guys with 100 or more at-bats, so dudes that are probably staples in the lineup. Five of them are hitting 300 or better. That's pretty dang good. And, again, one of them is Jack Caglia known. Their strength of, strength of schedule is number 17, which, no surprise, are playing in the SEC. Their pitchers, their lineup are putting up these numbers against really good opponents week in and week out. Those are my thoughts on Florida. What, what say you? Yeah, this Florida team is not the Florida team that you beat uh, as the number one overall seed in Omaha, but they're really good. And Texas Tech, maybe you could say, is a far cry from those, you know, 2018, 17, 19 teams. Um, maybe not a far cry, but certainly a cry, a medium cry. So I think Florida is very good. And. When we see the odds on Wednesday, they will be the heavy favorites to win this regional. Yeah, they are, according to Circa, they're tied for second best odds of anybody in the tournament to win the whole thing. I think Wake Forest is number one. Florida at nine to one or nine and a half to one is tied, I think, with Arkansas. So they're good. They're obviously one of the three to five best teams in this tournament, hands down. Do you know Arkansas was mentioned in the Bible? I did. It's the only state mentioned in the Bible. All right, can I, you, you want to move on to UConn? Do we have anything else on Florida? No, I, I think that's good. We'll have more on Florida Wednesday. Do we have anything on the soundboard, like a siren or anything for fraud alert? I'll take it. Okay, before we put UConn on fraud alert, which, by the way, I've said fraud alert about 20 times, UConn is going to run rule us in game one now, aren't they? We'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll take the blame on that if they do. You know what's not fraudulent? Rahino Barbecue. RahinoBBQ.com. Order ahead. Go out to home base in Olton, Texas. The best ribs, brisket, all of it in West Texas. Give them a follow on social at RahinoBBQ. They're announcing new menu items all the time. See what they've got cooking. Give them a shout. Um, let's. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is a, we've got an 11 a.m. I'm sure they'd have it on the TV out there. Oh, yeah. So they're open Thursday through Saturday. Go grab some barbecue and enjoy it while you're watching the Gainesville Regional. Rahino Barbecue, shout out to them for supporting the Gambling Gauchos. Okay, UConn, fraud alert. Strength of schedule. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Strength of schedule, 83. In the Big East Conference, where the UConn Huskies hail from, from where the UConn Huskies hail, there is one other team that is top 128 in the country in RPI. That would be Xavier, which I'm wearing my Bob Huggins shirt. A little bit of a coincidence there. Xavier made the tournament. I think their RPI is like 44. So Xavier would have been, I don't know, what, seventh in the Big 12? Yes. That's the only other team in the Big East with a top 128 RPI. And they have, they have a – go ahead. So the stats I'm about to give you are against this backdrop. The UConn is playing a bunch of Nancys week in and week out. They're playing absolutely nobody. 
They've got they've got four dudes with ten plus starts. I'm guessing one of these is a midweek guy. I'll speculate on which one that is, and I could go look. I just haven't gone that in depth yet. Their best pitcher, ERA wise, who's made ten plus starts, Stephen Quigley, thirteen starts, seventy two innings pitched, four point seven five ERA against the eighty third strength of schedule, opponent batting average two sixty three. Now, for reference, I think Dylan Maxey is batting about two seventy. And if Dylan Maxey's in the lineup, probably everybody else in the lineup has a better batting average than him. And he's not a bad hitter. Let me move along. Jack Sullivan. This is the guy I think is our midweek. 10 starts, 44 and a third innings pitched. 5.28 ERA. Opponent batting average, 324. That opponent batting average is like an all Big 12 baseball player. Yeah. And he's doing this against nobody. They're, they're playing little sisters of the poor out there in the Big East. And he's their second best pitcher, ERA wise. Mm-hmm. Ian Cook, 12 starts, 53 and a third innings pitched, 5.74 ERA, opponent batting average, 286. And then last but not least, Andrew Sears, 14 starts, 62 innings pitched. ERA, opponent batting average, 259. I'm looking at this, Rob, and I'm going, they played nobody as good as Texas Tech all year. And their dudes are basically, these four dudes, roughly an ERA north of five, opponent batting average, I don't know, 280-something. That tells me our lineup full of dudes batting better than 300 against good pitching in the Big 12 are going to smoke them. Their lineup... They have nine dudes that have made 100 or more ABs. I would assume that's one through nine in their lineup. Five of them batting 300 to 350. Nobody higher than 350. Four of them batting 265 to 299. So nobody batting below 265. So decent lineup against you know a bunch of RPI 144 teams that they're playing every weekend out in the Big East. I'm not scared of UConn. I think they stink, and I'm putting them on fraud alert. What say you? I'm in. Uh, I think the guy they're going to start on Friday is a lefty, which has me some concerned. But fraud alert, I'm down. I'm down with the fraud alert. As a two seed. Now, not as being in the tournament. I think they're a quality team. I think they deserve to be in the tournament. Uh, But as a two seed in this regional, I think it makes sense that Stats of War has UConn and – FAMU as one of the weakest regionals for the regional host. That's fair. I just, in the Discord, somebody posted that line that showed Texas Tech as a slight favorite over UConn, and they seemed a little bit surprised. I was I was inferring that, so maybe they weren't surprised. And I hadn't dug in yet. I dug into these numbers, and I go, hammer that. Yeah. I don't ever get on here and go, hammer the bet the morning, blah, blah, blah. But especially – if Molina is pitching game one, which I assume he will, I don't think he should, and we can get into that whenever you're ready. Well, Molina, hinted, what? Tadlock hinted that Kyle Robinson might start game one. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Also not who I would start, but I'll, I'll get into that later. Now, these three best pitchers from Florida and the four best pitchers from UConn, not a damn one has an ERA south of four. Mason Molina, 15 starts, 77 and a third innings pitched. 3.72 ERA, not against any slouches, because the Big 12 should have been a seven-bid league. Opponent batting average, 219. So I'm looking at this, and I go, we have arguably the best pitcher, starting pitcher in the regional. Now, I will say this. Florida has two really, really good relief guys. One of them has an ERA, like 1.4. It's Brandon Beckel, but for the Gators. But I go, we have the best starting pitcher. Why would we use him against this fraudulent lineup whose ace is going to give up seven runs to us in five and a third? And so I'll use that as the segue into how is Tadlock going to pitch it and how should he pitch it? I imagine that my answer is very different than his, but I want your thoughts as well. First, yes. I think I think Robinson, Molina, Zane Petty. I think that's one, two, three. You think that's what Tadlock will do? I think that's what Tadlock will do, yes. Or or Malik, because you got to win game one. So Molina, 
Robinson, Petty, one of those two will happen. Now, if you were, if your name was Rob Tadlock Uh and you were submitting the lineup cards and the starting pitcher, who would you send out there game one against UConn? And what would the thought process be for a potential, you know, a guaranteed game two, potential game three and four? What would you do? I would say Kyle Robinson is my one this weekend because that's enough rest. That's a, a short, a day short of rest, but you pulled him early. Cause I think you thought, Hey man, this kid's pitching good. We'd rather have him fresh in the regional than have him pitch 90 pitches against Oklahoma state. Surely that was it. And if that's the thought process there and you're trusting your bullpen to get five runs in, I, I agree. It didn't happen that way. Uh, but you pull him early. I go game one, Kyle Robinson, and then depending on what happens, Mason Molina game two, especially if it's Florida. I like that. What would you do? So here's where I often have a disconnect with other fans and their perspective on this. Uh huh. Does it matter, Rob, if you go 0-2 in this regional and don't win it versus if you go 3-2 and in this regional and don't win it? Do you get any sort of consolation prize for going three and two? No, but if Mason Molina doesn't start in one of the two games, you are getting hammered. <laughs> Who's getting hammered? The coach. The guy with the lifetime contract? Yes. Okay. So, so here's what. pitching coach. This, this is the, the loser mentality that no. I feel like keeps teams <laughs> from maximizing their odds of winning the regional. They go, well, let's store our best guys out there as soon as we can and hope so we can extend this. And what they're doing, they're making it most likely that they don't go two and Q, which is not the objective of the regional. The objective of the regional is to win it. And so you've got to roll the dice a little bit here. Game one uh-huh. against fraudulent UConn, yeah. who you're going to score, I'll set the over under eight and a half runs on. Tabor fast. Say, get through the lineup once. We're going to throw Ryan free about 50 pitches when you're done. And then we'll have a comfortable lead. We'll piece it together with a bullpen easy. And that should leave Ryan free available for later on in the weekend. Uh-huh. Now, if this doesn't work out, you have not used any of your best starting pitchers and you play FAMU and pitch anybody. Throw me out there. You'll beat FAMU. And then you get back into the one-on-one game. So you don't use Molina. You don't use K-Rob. You don't use Petty in game two if you lose game one. Assuming it's against FAMU. If it's against Florida, different story. But let's assume it's against Florida A&M. Throw Damian Bravo or Jacob Rogers, a guy that you weren't counting on against Florida A&M. Get back to one and one And then if the one and one game is against Florida, throw Molina. If it's against UConn, throw Petty. Because Molina has to pitch against Florida. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. You don't care about a guy having a, hey, this is your day, prepare for that day. You're just throwing your your pitchers in disarray saying, hey, when we call you, we're calling you. Yeah, you tell them all. Say, hey, you be ready at a moment's notice. Say, game one, we're going with Tabor fast uh, as the opener. And, Ryan, you're going to pitch. Unless we're up by 10 runs, Ryan, you're going to pitch. And then it's the old rope-a-dope. If you go 0-1, you eat that. You don't waste any of your good bullpen arms. You you beat FAMU, which you should be able to do without wasting a guy like Mason Molina. And then you let UConn and Florida throw their best guys against each other. Let them beat up on each other. Save all your arms because you're going to need them. Because at this point now, you have to win four games in the regional if you go 0-1. And, and to have any hope of that, you need your best pitcher starting against the better teams in the regional. You, cannot, you can extend it. You can uh, prolong the inevitable by pitching Mason Molina against Florida A&M. But then you're going to run into Florida, have to beat them twice, and you're going to be going, okay, hey, you, first career start, go beat the best team in the country, perhaps. That's no way to do this. So I'm going fast game one. UConn are fraud, so you'll win. When you meet Florida in the 1-0 game, you throw Mason Molina. He's better than any pitcher on their roster. 2-0. and And then you've got Petty and K-Rob waiting for whoever comes out of the loser side of the bracket. And those are your two best shots. Win one of those two games, and it's time for the Lubbock Super Regional because I'm praying on an upset on the opposite side of the bracket so that you can host the super. I don't hate fast Molina, but I would pitch Molina the first time Florida comes up. 
Yes, I agree with you. Pitch Molina against Florida. Okay. Because I hate that. Because if it's in game two and you and Florida are both 0-1, you pitch Molina to deliver the knockout blow, and then all you have left is FAMU and fraudulent UConn. Pitch anybody and you'll beat them. So that's how I would do it. That's not how I expect to do it. I expect literally everybody listening to this to disagree with me and think that's the stupidest idea ever. But I think it maximizes your odds of winning the regional. It does not maximize your odds of avoiding an 0-2 or a 1-2 exit. And I think if they really drilled down into their arguments as to why they oppose that, they would essentially be making an argument like you're saying, well, you got to throw your best pitcher if you lose a second game and Molina hasn't pitched. That looks bad. Yeah, it does look bad. But it's all about winning the regional. It's not about getting to 2-2 two and two or 3-2 and two so you can hang your head high. It's about winning the whole damn thing. And I think that maximizes your odds of doing it. You mentioned the other side of this regional, South Carolina, the 15 seed, Central Connecticut State. NC State and Campbell, the Campbell Camels. Um, if Campbell or NC State or, God forbid, Central Connecticut State, not God forbid, if, you know, God's God willing, God willing, glorious uh, God here. Uh, if if that happens, you will host. May, maybe NC State has an opportunity here. But I would say uh, – you have a better opportunity than NC State and Campbell. Yeah, I, I'm obviously mostly joking about a Lubbock Super Regional. But I am serious about looking at UConn starting pitching. And I would say trust the bats. Don't throw Molina out there. I wouldn't throw K-Rob out there. Um, maybe I could be persuaded to throw Petty game one. I still wouldn't do it. We'll see. Now, I expect – I actually – I think I disagree with you. I think he'll throw Molina game one and say, let's get on the right side of the bracket out of the gates and then go from there. But we'll I see. don't. I think he saves Molina for game two. Now, no. do you agree with me? If it is K-Rob game one, and let's say you lose to UConn, and let's say Florida avoids the upset against Florida A&M, and you're, you're in the 0-1 elimination game against Florida A&M, would you waste your best starting pitcher in that spot? No, I'd throw Zane Petty. Okay. Or Jacob Rogers. Somebody you didn't mention. Agreed. So we're, Agreed. I mean, we're we're similar there. It's just you're throwing Tabor fast because you think uh, UConn is. Uh, what'd you say? Fraud alert. <laughs> well, so throwing Tabor fast is basically making Ryan Free the de facto. Yeah. Use him for four innings that game, and then in game three or game four of the regional, he can come back for another inning or two. Yeah. What do we call that? Fast and furi- furious. Too fast, too furious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, so is Tech Hoops guy for Wednesday. Oh, okay, sweet. Did you slide in the DMs? Yeah, I did. He is going to – I'm going to explain that strategy to him or ask him to listen to this so I don't have to explain it. And he's going to come up with a reason why I'm the dumbest mother effer in the world for yeah. thinking that. He'll be like, that is the stupidest strategy you could employ, which he's a lot smarter than me, so I, I welcome the counterpoint there. Uh. The CG says, I like it. Nathan says he's Kyle's playing this way of thinking pretty good. Uh, I actually agree with Kyle. Kyle's 100% what Tadlock should do. And then Big Hint says, listen, I'm willing to give Kyle a lifelong contract to coach all sports at Tech. No one's this galaxy brain like KJ. I, you don't want me the head coach of the football program, but I'll, I'll take an offensive analyst role. Uh, yeah, I think we could both do that. Um. I do want to talk about Kyle Robinson real quick because we kind of glossed over – we acknowledge he had a good performance in the Big 12 tournament. But how exactly he did that I think is what we've been begging for all season from any tech pitcher. Like just throw strikes. Yeah. And all he did was fastball, 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 fastball. And every now and then he pulled the string on a changeup and they whiffed. And it was glorious. Glorious. Like three-quarters of his pitches were strikes. He wasn't trying to outdo anybody. He's just pounding the zone in the mid-90s, pulled the string on the changeup. It's like this is – this is all you need. It, it was like the quintessential Texas Tech pitching performance that we've been longing for all year. And I was so proud of him, happy for him. And it it boosted my optimism for the postseason. I was like, if he pitches like this, we're going to be a much tougher out in the postseason than if he hadn't done that in Arlington. If everybody who can come back comes back next year for Texas Tech and you piece together the outfield because you're losing some outfield, and Hudson White plays second base, 
or whatever else, uh, I am all in on next year's team. All in. For sure. Um, you've already lost a couple of guys. I don't know if you noticed this, Kyle. Jarrett Curtis is already off playing in the summer league somewhere. Um, Ryan Brome is already off playing somewhere, so you're not going to see those guys in the postseason. Uh, they were not playing anyways. Um, and that happens. You can only take 27 to a, to a regional. So yeah, if a guy can go play somewhere, he goes and plays somewhere. I, I don't love that, but if you can't take him, you can't take him, and they can go get valuable at bats somewhere else. For sure. All right, I'm going to go find the rest of the Big 12 schools, and then we will do a mailbag. So TCU will go to Fayetteville. Arkansas, Santa Clara is the 1-4. Arizona, TCU, the 3-2. I think that's a sneaky matchup for TCU. Any thoughts on that one, or do you just want me to read the rest of the Big 12 ones? No, I, I think they got perhaps the weakest three seed in Arizona. I think Arizona's probably the last team in. And Stanford, a good team, but beatable. You know, Texas Tech 1-1, one one, I know it was a midweek series. But I, there are certain hosts that you go, man, I do not want to go to that one. Or are, are they in Fayetteville? Yes. Okay, never mind. Nick that. I still believe that about Stanford. I was about to say, because you could get screwed and go to Arkansas or LSU. Yeah. So that part is tough. But I think they'll get to 1-0 against Arizona. Um, I think they'll have a good backstop if they do lose to Arkansas. But they've also beaten Arkansas at a neutral site this year. Totally different than going in there in a regional format in Fayetteville. Uh, that's going to be tough to get out of. But as well as they're playing, I, I'm not going to count them out. Do you want a prediction? Yeah. TCU will host Iowa in a Super Regional. Wow. Is that the lost a series to Texas Tech Super Regional? Yes. And that's going to be tough to watch. Yeah. West Virginia matching up with the Baton Rouge across from them. Uh, they'll be in Lexington, Kentucky, the one for Kentucky Ball State. Let the moonshine flow. The 3-2 Indiana, West Virginia. If West Virginia wins that regional, which I think they can, West Virginia in, uh, in Baton Rouge is going to be incredible. West Virginia, the opposite of TCU. I thought they were locked in for an outright Big 12 title, locked in for a regional, and they get swept in Austin. They go 0-2 in Arlington, and I don't know. I I know they get a trophy for the three-way tie, but I would, if I was a fan of West Virginia, and I kind of am, honestly, at this point, there's a little bit of disappointment there. And I and you just worry about the momentum. It's like, okay, it's these these yeah. games matter. It's do or die, and like we're playing our worst baseball of the season. Speaking of a Big 12 host, Oklahoma State, the 11 seed. Oral Roberts uh, in the Jeff Haxton game, the 1-4. The 3-2 Dallas Baptist Washington, in the opposite order. And they'll face off with the Nashville Regional in a super uh, Vanderbilt, the host there. Uh, and then Oklahoma, go ahead. I think that's a tough regional for Oklahoma State. Yes. Like I, don't, I don't necessarily know which team I would pick to win it, but it just feels like a lot of quality depth, one through four, and that pretty much every game there is going to be tough. There's no frauds like UConn on that list, I don't think. You're going to hit a bunch of home runs in that regional. Yes. Just like last year. Yeah. Uh, then you have Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, Army would be the one for Oklahoma, East Carolina, the 3-2. And then down in Coral Gables, the one for Miami, Maine, and Louisiana, Texas. Uh, potentially – Texas going to Stanford. If Texas goes to Stanford, they will be in Omaha. I have no doubt about that. I know they just went 0-2 in the, the regional, but I think in the Big 12 tournament, but I think they can beat Miami. Um, and then you have AM over there in Stanford. AM could absolutely win that uh, regional as well. I don't think Stanford's very good. And then back to Oklahoma, they'll be across from Coastal Carolina. A Texas versus A&M Super Regional. Hook it right into my veins. I would love that. I, of course, am not going to be rooting for either one of those teams to advance past the regional. But if they do, that atmosphere is going to be, whether it's in Austin or College Station, 
this would be in Austin, right? Is A&M a three or are they a two? Well, um, they're both twos. Okay. And that would break the internet whenever they announce which one gets the nod to host the Super. Yeah, I don't know who they would. You'd have both fan bases crying foul. I guess if you beat Stanford, you would host, right? Because Stanford's the eight. I I honestly don't know how they. If it's yeah, I don't know how they do that. Yeah, I thought if two like equal seeds, like two twos or two threes advance, they like. I thought you reapplied basically to host, and they assess your facilities and your all that. I, I don't know. E- equal. Interesting. I mean, to me, those are equal facilities. Yeah. All right, you ready for Melbourne? Yeah. Um, let's give a shout out to Barnett Howard and Williams first. BHWLawFirm.com, the finest law firm in all of Texas. They handle catastrophic injury, criminal defense, certified for Title IX student litigation. If you feel like you were robbed, like Kansas State was, and you need to sue somebody, K-State fans, call our friends over at Barnett, Howard, and Williams and sue the NCAA because you were robbed this afternoon and we all hated to see it. BHWLawFirm.com Someone commented that my lighting was spooky today. It <laughs> it's is a little bit like I need some fire flashlight. Yeah. Kind of vibes. I need to figure this out. I don't like putting my overhead light on, but the ring light is very focused today. There you go. Uh, All right, first question, power rank the Big 12 tournament eats. Uh, I will say the baseball tournament did much better than the basketball tournament. Um, I would go cheese fries first. I thought the hook'em sandwich looked fine, but I'm not a donut. You know, you might look at me and say I I would be a donut as a bun guy, but I'm not. I don't like donuts as buns, and that was a fried chicken sandwich with donuts as buns. I'm not down with that. Um. The cheesy corn sounds gross to me. I would get down on the Wabash taco. The Sooner burger can't go wrong. The pepperoni dog would be my number two behind the cheese fries. Blueberries on a cheeseburger, I don't know. And then the uh, Sikkim bear sandwich. The I don't know if that's pulled pork or brisket, but that would be my number three. So the... At the basketball tournament, it was a Wabash Cannon Dog. Yes, with some suspect bacon wrapping and purple slaw. It got terrible reviews, so I'm 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 mostly in alignment with you, but I think I'm probably not touching anything Wabash related at the concession stand. It looked like maybe radicchio instead of uh, a purple relish. Yeah. So uh, you're out. I'm out. Yeah. For that reason. Yeah, for that reason, I'm out. Given all the recent success in Florida sports, is it fiscally irresponsible to not have UCF as a future to win the Big 12 at 50-1? to I think if you're going to hit your wagon to a newcomer, UCF would be the one. I, I, I don't think they'll win it. I think they have a ceiling that is below that possibility. I think there's maybe five teams that have a realistic shot to win it. Uh, four of those schools are in Texas and then Oklahoma. And I think anybody besides that uh, – Kansas State. I think anybody besides that, your your odds are probably too long that it's just a waste of money. Uh, rank your top three Little Debbie products. Cosmic Brownies. Number one. Yeah. The upset. I don't know. I'm not a big, you know, like packaged treats kind of guy. So I would actually need more ideas on how to round that out. But Cosmic Brownies, I liked those a lot growing up. I'd go Big Oatmeal Cream Pie, go Nutty Buddy, and uh, Star Crunch. Okay. Where would the Cosmic Brownie fall in with those, or does it not? No, uh, maybe five or six. I'd go Swiss Rolls after that. I'd go Donut Sticks Is five. Or Zebra Cakes, is that Little Debbie? Zebra cakes. Ooh, zebra cakes. Yeah. I like the Christmas trees more. Okay. Get a little crunch on top. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is going to be inside baseball, but I'm asking anyways. Rank your top three Discord channels. <laughs> oh, man. Um, there's a lot of jokes in here about 
cutting all of them because that's my <laughs> I get accused of that a lot. I think I only actually cut I cut Sporps as a bit, knowing it would come back all the time. Yeah. And then like one time I cut a channel and reinstated it and got in a lot of trouble for that. Top three Discord channels. Um the Wyoming Road Trip one. Now, if you're new to the Discord, you're like, what is that? It's a private channel. It, so if you're going to the Wyoming game, let us know. And there's a channel so we can coordinate, like hanging out in Denver and Laramie and all that. That was a lot of fun. We, we started that at Bell Station the afternoon of the bowl game. We were so excited. Yeah. That one's up there. I think, you know, I'm liking hockey right now. I'm a big, big postseason hockey guy, big Dallas Stars fan. And so we're, we're coming all the way back from down 3-0. Um, are we? That, that game's ongoing right now. Is it not looking good? It was 3-0 uh, after the first period. Wouldn't be the first time my stars came back from 3-0. It's 5 to nothing in the third. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> you and can then, do it tonight. Yeah, and then I guess stickball because it's, it's primetime baseball season. So yeah. we'll round that one out. I like the recruiting channel. I was going to say Wyoming and then the brand. Big fan of the brand. Yeah, you're a big brand guy. What's your two go-to ballpark food items? Keep it simple. Beer and hot dog, I would guess. It's non-alcoholic. Okay. Um, Beer and, uh, sorry, hot dog and nachos, I guess. If I'm at Dan Law, uh, plain hot dog from the peasant concession stand, Brisket nachos from the concession stand on the, the right field line. Uh, start bench process cut. Zen, Velo, Ons, and Rogue. Do you have any idea what these are? No. Uh, what is that? They are uh, dip replacements. It's just nicotine. But it's not oh. non-tobacco nicotine products. Yeah. I would start Zen. Uh, I, w- I do not use any of those other ones. They have a weird powdery residue, and I'm not in. I have tried them, but uh, I'm out. Big Hen did uh, start Copenhagen bench grizzly and uh, cut mouth cancer. A <laughs> real man. Uh, who's your favorite cult leader? Don't have one, but the the leader of Heaven's Gate, his last name was Applewhite. I can't remember his first name. Is that the Kool Aid guy? The Kool Aid guy? Yeah, they made everybody drink Kool Aid that was poison. Oh, uh, maybe they all they did a mass suicide. They were trying to like catch a a comet passing yeah. Earth in the nineties. But he so when I was going off to Austin College, go Kangaroos. I was on their Wikipedia page. And he was listed under their notable alumni. And I was like, who is this guy? And that, that's when I learned about the Heaven's Gate cult. Yeah. So he's not my favorite. I don't have a favorite cult leader. But he's, I guess, one that I have a very minimal tangential connection to. My favorite cult leader is Kyle Jacobson. <laughs> what cult do I lead? The Gaucho's cult. <laughs> the cult of the Gaucho. Yeah. Uh, what three albums would you give to a recent high school graduate? Ooh, is it, is it the assumed purpose to like educate them on what real music is? Yes. I'd give them a Smashing Pumpkins album from the 90s. I'm not good with album names. So yeah. whichever one had like 1979 and Today and all that on it. Um, what else? Uh, probably a Blink-182 album from early 2000s. Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Um, that's the, that's the one that you're thinking of. That's not a Smashing Pumpkins album, is it? No, no, no. That's uh, Blink One Eight Two. Oh, okay. Take off your pants and jacket. Um, I'm trying to go like cross era here. Yeah, and then probably a Fleetwood Mac album. Uh, is Perfect? yes, yeah. yeah. Those would be my three. Just I go out there. Hybrid Theory. You go Highway Man. And then uh, Credence Clearwater, one of those four that they came out with in the same year. What's your favorite Credence Clearwater revival song? Down on the corner. I like Born on the Bayou. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Um, Suzy Q is a good one. We played poker every week in college and would just listen to Credence and playing poker. Some of my best memories in college. One time I was in a poker game. It was down to the final three. I was among them. It was like 1 a.m. Nobody was willing to call it quits. Yeah. And so I was I was controlling the music on the Bluetooth speaker, and I played Vultures by John Mayer on a loop for about an hour just to drive my opponents crazy. They're like begging me to change the song. I was screwing with their minds, and I won that game of poker. Nice. Uh, down to the wire. On a scale one to off the scale, how excited is Rob for football season? Off the scale, very excited. Uh, favorite Simon and Garfunkel song? Can you name a Simon and Garfunkel song? I really like Fifty Ninth Street Bridge song. Okay. I think the only one I can think of is Summer Breeze. Summer Breeze. Oh, no, no. Um, Sound of Silence. Yeah. That's a good one. I like the Disturbed cover of that song. Yes. It's very good. I, now that I'm thinking of it, is uh, Summer Breeze even Simon and Garfunkel? I think that's... Uh... Anyways. Uh, start bench cut these Robs. Kyle Robinson. Rob Bro. Robert Jennings or Robert Duggar? Man, it's a tough process cut. Yeah, four strong Red Raiders. No offense, Rob. If we get Arlington, Kyle Robinson, I'm I'm starting that in game three against Florida to seal it. I would game go regional. Um, I'm I'm benching you because you're one of my best friends. Robert Jennings, grown ass man. I'll, I'll, well, I don't want to process him or cut him because he's he's literally on the roster right now. I refuse to answer the rest of the question. Fair. Fair. Uh, okay, says Buddy Holly self-titled titled album is one he would give away. Big Hen says barbecue nachos and water. <laughs> uh, he also says he needs a need for speed NASCAR channel in the Discord. Oh, let's do it. I'm down for that. Now that uh, the hockey is gone. Honestly, if y'all want to get into NASCAR this summer, after like hockey and basketball and college baseball is over, it's pretty much MLB and NASCAR for a couple months there. I'm in. That was also the end of the mailbag. Who's your favorite driver? I, I don't have one. Can you name five drivers uh, that are active right now? No. Kurt Bush, Kyle Bush. You're one for two. Um, You're batting 500, just like all of UConn's starting pitches opponent, starting pitchers opponents. The the guy who uh, said the dirty word on the stream. We'll accept that, Kyle Larson. Larson. Uh, that other little nerd. Um. <laughs> Uh, Frankie Munez. <laughs> That's all I got, man. All right, we got to get you into NASCAR. Fair enough. That's all I got. Final thoughts? Any... Yeah, my final thought is this. What, you look surprised? People are, people are upset that we don't have final thoughts anymore. That used to be like a 30-minute segment. My final thought is this. <laughs> don't put the last comment. <laughs> my final thought is this, Rob. Who is the most important baseball program in the Big 12 moving forward? Most important? Yes. How so? It's West Virginia, and here's why. Love them or hate them, Texas is probably the premier college baseball program in the country. When they're gone, and OU is pretty good, you know, they at least take it seriously to an extent and have a decent team most years. When Texas is gone, it it um, it lowers your ceiling as a conference. It's one fewer opponent that is going to raise everybody's RPI. It leaves you pretty much with three programs that really take baseball seriously on a very consistent basis. Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State. Okay. The most I- important 
the most important program at this point is West Virginia because they're at a tipping point where they can they can say we hosted a regional in 2019, we're a two seed in a regional in 2023, we're co-big 12 champs. They can invest in that program, build it up into something, and be in that top tier by making postseason runs consistently. Or they can, for one reason or another, go by the wayside and not capitalize on this momentum. The rest of the conference needs West Virginia to step it up. Because we're looking around here and we see eight hosts from the SEC. You're not ever going to get even three hosts if you don't have members of the conference investing in baseball top to bottom. Now, through expansion, if you got a school like Arizona, Arizona State, those are quality baseball programs. But without them, if you go in to the new Big 12, Texas and OU leave, Iowa State doesn't have a team. UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston don't have a great baseball history. I, I think BYU might could be a, a decent program. But West Virginia is the one I look at and say, y'all have a real choice here to be among that top tier and help us grow the conference, build the conference's baseball reputation, or if you don't capitalize on this, it's going to be the same two or three teams at the top every year, and their ceilings are going to be capped by playing in a perceived weaker conference. So for that reason, I think my final thought is that West Virginia, at this juncture, is the most important baseball program in the Big 12. Yeah, and it's a huge jump for BYU and football to come from independent into the Big 12. It's an even bigger jump for them to come from the West Coast Conference in baseball all the way up to the Big 12. So I, I think they have an opportunity, but yeah. If one team could go to Omaha from the Big 12 this year, I think to help the conference, it would be West Virginia. I understand that. That's my final thought. Sweet. You said it all, Coach. Go ears. UConn, fraud alert. Love you all.